Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is going to be Random Thoughts number 11. The topic I'm going to be going over is the concept that Protestant and Vatican II sect members have about a broken church. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have. All that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So what brought on this uh, topic, I was going through, I tried to avoid sites like Amazon, if I could possibly help it. But the unfortunate truth of the matter is, is sometimes it can't be helped. Uh, Given my circumstances, I have, if I need a particular resource, I have to go to Amazon. So, when I do have to use Amazon, it's out of necessity. Um, and by the way, because I know there's there's going to probably be some uh, some three hundred IQ taker out there saying, "Ah, oh, you're probably just using it for the convenience." Ha 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 ha. And uh, to that is to 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 that end, I would say no. Now I would be a complete liar if I didn't admit when it comes to like, um, secular stuff like clothes, electronics, stuff like that. Um, it kind of is a convenience issue, although honestly. If I had a means, let's just say, for uh, electronics, if I had a way to go to Best Buy, you know, um, I'd probably go to Best Buy. But given my circumstances, I, you know, um, it's more than anything else right now, my situation is tied around my economics. And, you know, I've said earlier, my economics are terrible. And, you know, Amazon, you'll, you'll never hear me do an episode on Random Thoughts talking about how great Amazon is. But I will say... um. The the prices, the prices that they do have. Now I realize they're a multinational, so yeah, they can pummel their competitors. But 
for a guy in my economic straits, you know, that, that was always my biggest complaint before I decided to get serious about my Catholicism, about, about these uh, guys who were, oh, buy from your local mom and pop, buy from your local mom and pop. Well, you know, you got to remember, I'm purely pagan. And I'm like, well, I'd like to go to my mom and pop. But unfortunately, let's just say I need a hammer. Let's just say I need a hammer. The mom and pop hardware store sells their hammers for 10 bucks. But the Walmart sells it for five. Now, I would feel like a pretty crappy person if, say, I was in better economic straits and I went to Walmart just to save five bucks when I could easily afford the five bucks. But when you're, when you're living on the margins, and I mean literally living on the margins, the $5 that you save at Walmart could, could no, I'm, I'm not going to say could, do. It makes a difference. Now, while we're at it too, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of any of the multinationals. But once again, if you don't like the fact that Big, what they call big box stores, such as Amazon, Walmart, uh, Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. You, you got, you're, you're misplacing your anger. Your anger is not with the big box stores. Your anger is with the masonically influenced uh, shot callers that are purposely designing these outlet chains to replace independent entrepreneurs. And not to get political, but they're doing this for a purpose. And I'm not claiming this idea for my own. I've actually heard another podcaster say this back in the day. They're doing this so that They can't have any, what I would call, um, independent operators. And you can't. Now, the person who said this, and at the time I thought that, I, I, I knew the concept made sense, but it wasn't until I started getting serious about my Catholicism, I realized just how much sense it made. Because in the, I mean, some of the more politically minded, they're going to, you know, they're going to see what I'm talking about. Others aren't. But in the new the New World Order, as uh, G.W. Bush once put it, 
it hasn't been fully ratified yet. That's going to be the great reset, as the World Economic Forum puts it. It's not there yet. When the re- Great Reset gets put into um, operational status, then then you're going to have your new world order. Like I said, this isn't about politics, but they can't... The, the people who are perpetrating this, what I call the satanic, Masonic satanic sock puppets, they can't have any independent act. Everything has got to be integrated into their system. And if you're unwilling to comply, well, <laughs> um, I've literally seen the video or maybe a video about some papers that the World Economic Forum had put out, but they, they were talking about wiping out 70 to 90% of the world's humanity for their utopia. You dismiss it as hyperbole. I take them for their word. But. um, Like I said. This isn't. This isn't a. Uh, this isn't about politics. Um, but. I suspect the reason there are two reasons behind that figure. I think one of the reasons is is there's going to be a portion of that when they try enacting the Great Reset, they're going to go tell them to go pound sand. They ain't doing it. They're not complying. And the other part are going to be less than enthusiastic about what the World Economic Forum has planned for humanity. They'll go along with it, but they're going to be less than enthusiastic. Here's the issue. Um, totalitarianism, they're a false god. The real god wants 100% of you for his truth. The false god of totalitarianism of totalitarianism wants a hundred percent of you for his false ideas, for his false teachings. And if you're unwilling to go along with it, they're going to kill you. Now it was a 10 minute ramble. <laughs> so anyway, I was going through Amazon. Um, oh, one quick aside. I was talking about, how I try not to use Amazon for my spiritual material. I was going to, just for clarification, I've recently ordered two books off Amazon. I, I tried to find, I tried to find, um, a copy of these two books that I got on, you know, a set of accounts as bookstores or traditional bookstores. 
or for that matter, even Vatican II bookstores. But honestly speaking, I don't trust Vatican II sources when it comes to my spiritual materials. In my own experience, having been in the Vatican II sect, I know that they purposely censor things that contradict the Vatican II um, heresy from traditional sources. And the only place that I could get it where it was within my price range was Amazon. Anyway, that made my point. So it's going through Amazon. I also get my books off of Kindle. Uh, I'm sorry, my e-books off of Kindle. I was going through my uh, the uh, the Kindle uh, uh, catalog to look for uh, some e-books. And um, I kept coming across titles from both Protestant and Vatican II uh, sect sources that were talking about, oh, the broken church. Oh, well, our, our, our shepherds are leading us astray. What to do about it? Ah. Now, this was not like a... Re- uh, revelation to me. I've been in both. They've been writing this stuff and I've seen books like written from the 40s and the 50s. Well, I mean from the Protestant end talking about this. But well, it's Vatican II sect. You had people writing about, well, what's wrong with the, what's wrong with the Catholic Church today? And I'm just putting it out there. Obviously, and and you know, in, in that time frame, I was suffering from my own version of cognitive dissonance. So it never occurred to me that um that the premise that they were coming from was incorrect. Now, with the Vatican II sect, when I would read a title like that, I was thinking not that Vatican II Council was the issue, but oh, such and such bishops, such and such priests, gay seminaries, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't come to that conclusion till later. Now I have a better understanding thanks to the gifts and graces that our Blessed Mother and her Son have given me. And just, um, I just got to give a shout out. I actually meant this, meant to do this in my first episode I put out today. I want to give a humble and Contrite thank you to our Lord and his blessed mother. Um, I do realize, well, dimly, I dimly realize just how unworthy I am of their blessings and graces. But I thought I'd take this opportunity, especially today, to thank them 
for their patience and their mercy and their forgiveness. Anyhow, so I kept coming across in the Kindle catalog these titles. But like I said, I wasn't, it wasn't a revelation to me. But the inspiration that came out of those was. And this is what this random thoughts is going to be about. I'm sure you guys, well, maybe not. Um, Frank Sinatra had a song called My Way. And in that song, he basically said, I don't need anyone. You know, I got to where I'm at my way. And in a nutshell, that's, that's the seed of why these books get written. It's the seed. Because if you're, if you're wanting to do things your way, not God's, and you're unwilling there, there, there are two, two kinds of mindsets. There's the one mindset that says, I know better. And then there's the other mindset that says, well, maybe this person is telling me the truth, but if I follow that truth, it's going to cause me massive inconvenience. So those, those are, I mean, there are other mindsets, obviously. There's over 7 billion human beings. But those, you know, if, if you wanted to give a broad generalization, you could say that, you know, those are the two mindsets. And the Protestant revolt, is the total example, for lack of a better term, of the, the philosophy of, well, I'm going to do it my way. Martin Luther, who started this garbage, if you read his biography, he was... He, he was a monk and he kept going he kept going to his confessor and saying man I, I, I want to be holy I want to be holy I just don't have the time I just don't have the time I see all the corruption in the Catholic Church and da 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 and his confessor not that um, his confessor said anything because un, unlike uh Despite what you've heard from Protestant propaganda, Catholic priests die before um, um, saying what they heard in confession. That is sacrosanct. That you know you can't question that. 
and people follow it to the death. Where where was later found out was through Luther's uh, autobiography. I think he wrote one. If he didn't, it was through one of his many books that he wrote that he was going to his confessor and saying, you know, I want to be holy. I just don't have the time. I want to be holy. And, you know, oh, the corruption in the Catholic Church. And his confessor advised him, well, maybe you should get a little less busy and attend to your office as a monk. Because Martin Luther was not just a lay monk, he was actually a priest, one of the duties of a, a real Catholic priest is there's uh, what is known as the offices. There's, there's a set of prayers there that are said throughout the day that every Catholic priest, worth his salt, is supposed to say. And that's why Luther was in a tizzy, because he wasn't doing his duties as a Catholic priest. And instead of lightening his workload, like his confessor suggested, he decided, no, no, I'm... I'm you know, I, I've got to, uh, I, 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 I don't want to give that, you know, I don't want to give up my duties. Now, his personal reasons on that score, I don't know. That's between him and God. But he didn't, he didn't lighten his workload. And I read a particular autobiography. Uh, I'm sorry, biography. That any, well, intelligent Protestants had probably heard that Luther, what, what drove Luther to, to nail his 95 theses on the, uh, town uh, Bolton board was that he had to go to Rome for uh, business of his monastery and he was shocked. He was dismayed by all the corruption, all the worldliness, all the sinfulness. And that's what drove him to do his 95 thesis, which led to him to break with the Catholic Church. What it all boils down to honestly speaking, is Martin Luther was trying to dictate terms to the Pope. Now, if you're conscious of good standing, oh, and by the way, for you Vatican II types, I'm not talking about the imposters that have been masquerading as Catholics and hierarchy for the past 60 years. I'm talking about actual Popes. You any Catholic worth his good Catholic worth his salt knows. Legitimate popes you don't dictate terms to. Um so 
And by the way, since in Catholic theology, the Pope is God's representative on earth, indirectly, you know, he was trying to dictate terms to God. And just to make the record clear, Martin Luther was a Catholic. He knew what the game, he knew the rules of the game. Oh, pardon me, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. It's not a game, but he knew the rules. He knew the rules. But he decided he was going to do it his way. He dictated to the Pope at that time. The Pope tried to give him as many outs as he could to recant. He wouldn't do it. My way, my way, my way. He refused, and he started his own religion. Fast forward 700 years later, or 600 years later, my bad, and you got Protestants, and by extension, their Vatican II sect brethren, writing books about well, what's wrong with the church? The church is broken. The church is broken. First of all, there's only one church. And I know because I've run into this when I was in part of Vatican II sect, they would always explain the euchemism by saying, well, you know, everybody is a Christian who, who claims that Jesus Christ died for their sins and blah, 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 blah. It was a generalized Christianity. And, you know, they, they would differentiate between the quote-unquote Catholic Church by saying the church, this generalized Christian church, was small, small C church, and the Catholic Church, it's a distinction without difference. The true pre-Vatican II Catholic Church is the one true church. Therefore, it is not broken. The institutions, and I'm talking about the physical institutions of the Magisterium, the Vatican, um, the, the, the churches and the basilicas have been taken over by heretics masquerading as Catholics. But, and I, I talked about this in an earlier episode, the true church is infused with the Spirit of God. Therefore, it cannot be broken. Wherever, wherever there is a true Catholic and he is trying to be pious and devout, and he's living according to the pre-Vatican II Council teachings of Catholicism. Guess what? Guess what? There's a reason we have confession. There's a reason. Because in order, just like the Eucharist helps uh, strengthen you for the spiritual battle, um... 
confessing your venial, I'm sorry, your mortal sins helps keep the Holy Ghost inside of you. If you don't have, if you're in a state of mortal sin, don't, you know, because the Holy Ghost is God, he's not going to dwell in a filthy, you know, it would be like you. Would you live in a filthy rat infested dump with cockroaches? No. Neither is the Holy Ghost. So, the church that they're talking about is the faith church, try to follow me if you can, of their own conception, their way, their way. Because number one, and I, I, I guess um, irony is lost on the Protestants. How can you write a book about what's wrong with the church when there's 40, probably more than this, 40,000 different churches? But I suspect if I were to talk to a Protestant who is theologically inclined, they would give me the Vatican II line. Well, yeah, there's 40,000 different branches of Protestantism, but we're, we're, we're talking the small C church of Christianity. Hogwash. Hogwash. Um, I mean, it, it, well, Protestant, Protestantism in and of itself is a heresy, but part of the heresy of it is, is that they reject its, its root. Try to follow me here if you can, Protestants. The people that some of your sect call proto-Protestants were actual heretics themselves. Prior to the uh, I'm sorry, prior to the Protestant revolt, you had if if you were living in Western Europe, you had the Catholic Church. And that was it. Okay? But I, I actually, you know, the, the Protestants have run around and spout that silliness that the, the proto-Protestants were labeled heretics by the evil, evil, corrupt Catholics. Because if you're going to reject papal authority, if you're going to reject the Catholic Church as the one true church, it absolutely makes iron-hard logical sense that what the Catholic Church called heretics, you would reject that implicitly. I mean, maybe there's a Protestant out there, oh yeah, they were heretics, but oh yeah, we're real. <laughs> um... Or, you know, 
It, it goes back to what I always say about the Vatican II sect. You, you can't claim that um, you can't claim that the Catholic Church was the first church and still be Protestant. I mean, let me take that back. I'm sure that there are some people who do that, but they're suffering from a massive dose of irony and don't realize it. Okay? Because if you recognize the Catholic Church as the first church and that it was found, you know, that, that literally Jesus made Peter in charge of that church and it, did, it was the first church to exist but refused to recognize, you know, to, to say that um, despite all the scriptures saying otherwise, that somehow or another you needed Martin Luther and his band to go their own separate ways. Once again, massive irony. Um... But Martin Luther knew the rule. rule. But he decided to go his own way. So when Protestants unironically write books about a broken church, basically what they're talking about is broken humans. Because the true, the true church is Jesus Christ. Um, is living in those true Catholics, pre-Vatican II, who are pious and devout and trying to live their faith. If you're going your own way from the truth, there's no, there's, number one, there's, there's no truth in that church, and number two, you're just a collection of people who agree on general principles. Um, by the way, if anyone's interested, I did a three-part series and a couple ones after that talking about the errors of Protestantism. But that's what it boils down to. If you reach, if you in total reject everything the Catholic Church stands for and reject all its teachings, then, then you're just a bunch of people getting together in a building you decided to call a church who happen to agree on general principle. Having been a Protestant, even... I'm speaking from experience now. Even if, if you're all going to, you're going to have varying degrees of disagreement within that church. There's no unity there. None. And they may care about each other in a generalized sense of, well, Brother Smith is a great guy, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's put the rubber down to the road. If I put a gun next to Brother Smith's head and say, um, 
become a rob a bank or I'll shoot him. You know, it's going to depend on the individual, obviously. But a lot of people would say, well, uh, what do you want me to do? You know, I, I, I don't want, you know, um, now oh, that was a bad example. <laughs> that was a horrible example. Um, but basically what I was trying to say in my broken way was there's a lot of people who would say, well, I'd love brother Smith. Would you die for him? Would you die for him? Would your family die for him? Never mind you, your family. Would they die for him? Would Brother uh, Jones die for him? You know, would would Brothers A, B, and C die for Brother Smith if it was called for them? Like I said, people being people, even people who claim to be true Catholics, but um, there's a reason that Saint Pius, Pope Saint Pius X, said that modern um, modernism is the synthesis of all heresy, and everyone, to a greater or a lesser extent, depending on the person, is a modernist. Now, what does this have to do about, well, I'm talking about a broken church. The, the church that they're talking about, since it's not the true church and it's a collection of individuals, is um, people. And because they don't have the correct uh, theology and doctrine, they don't realize. I mean, some maybe, but I, I've been a Protestant. I don't remember any time when I was a Protestant where any of the Protestants I knew would say, oh, the problem's not with the church. Your problem is not with brother so-and-so, it's with you. And uh, for you Vatican II sect members, everything I just said about the Protestants, and, you know, I've, I've literally pounded this into the ground. You're guilty of the same things because the basis of the Vatican II Council was Protestantism. Don't have to like it. There's a third aspect. Um, no, nah, never mind. Never mind. Um, so, you know, you're all complaining about, oh, Mr. Bergoglio this, Mr. Bergoglio. Didn't start with Mr. Bergoglio. And for you set of accountants out there, it didn't start with, quote, unquote, John the 23rd or Mr. Uh, what was his name? Uh, 
uh, Roncalli. There were modernists, people who wanted to, to do things their way within the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church. And this is not necessarily an error of the modern age. It's human nature. And I've experienced this myself. Well, no, I can't say that. Because I've always been a history buff. But it has been said in secular circles that most people think that history began with their birth. And it's true. A lot of people, you know, and unless they're historically minded, do think that history started with their birth. And this time I am going to bag on Americans. Americans are absolute, as a whole, as a whole, just a generalization, not a broad brush, abysmally ignorant of history. And as a whole, not everybody, not historically minded at all. And I don't, once again, I don't want to get into uh, political things. Yeah. I'll... But Americans, as a general rule, you know, I, I've talked about it uh, briefly. I've touched upon it briefly in a few episodes. How the average American, when the Serbians were massacring Bosnian uh, Muslims, were losing their wig. And they didn't even, even those who should have known better didn't know that the Bosnian Serbs were, there was an entire SS division. The SS was the fighting arm of the uh, Nazi government um, that were made up of Bosnian Serbs, I'm sorry, uh, Bosnian Muslims to wipe out Serbs who were Orthodox, or I'm sorry, that that may confuse some people. East Greek Orthodox, or, or uh, but because the Orthodox um, schismatics, they're basically national churches. So, but they were Serbian Orthodox in communion with um, Greek. Uh, whoever the Greek patriarch was. They didn't even realize it. But because, you know, um, I loved history, you know, I'm, 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 you know, because this is back in the 90s, so, you know, the interwebs hadn't been invented by Al Gore yet. Oh, I'm sorry, this was, uh, this might have been around the time he invented the internet, but, uh, the, the internet wasn't ex, uh, accessible to uh, plebs such as myself. So I had to listen to talk radio. And I'm sitting there laughing 
at these idiots who are getting worked up about ethnic hatreds. And I've been in Europe long enough to know, it, it depends on the region, of course, but in that particular part of Europe, they got long historical memories. They, they, they are literally like the Hatfields and McCoys of Europe. You know, you talk to a, some Serb and ask him, why do you hate the, the, the Bosnian Muslim? Well, back in 17, such and such did such and such, and he, he hurt my brethren. I'm not kidding. Now, what it's like 30 years later, I don't know. But, you know, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised at all. Because it's very much human nature for one ethnic group to want to get revenge on an, another ethnic group if they get the chance. And by the way, <laughs> speaking of Bosnia and Serbia, if, if this dumpster fire of a government goes up, we are going to see race riots like you would not believe on all sides. But like I said, this isn't about politics. So, I was on the Vatican II-Sec members. If you're, the reason I compare your sect to Protestants is very simple. Because the members of that council brought in actual Protestant heretics to to oversee the council and give advice, something that would never been done in Catholic history. But then you have to know your Catholic history to know this. And their whole purpose, this is, this is in the writings of the guys who drew up Vatican II, was to make Catholicism open for everyone. Now, try to follow me if you can. Well, I shouldn't say this because people who have been brought up in lies, number one, aren't, aren't able to accept the truth when it's presented to it. And even if they're willing to listen, they're not going to be able to understand the truth. But... Having the truth and sticking to that truth is going to make you unpopular, even hated, dare I say, by the population around you that does not like your truth. Now, when I say your truth, I'm not talking about the modernist subjective truth. I'm talking about God's truth, God's revealed religion. 
And when they said they wanted to make the Catholic Church open to all people, they weren't talking about, well, if you happen to be Hindu, Muslim, or Jewish, and you want to convert to Catholicism, we'll accept you. What they were talking about was Protestantizing Catholicism so that, number one, if you believe that Jesus Christ was crucified for your sins, and that's it, you're a Christian. And part of that, part of their strategy too was, well, we're going to take the hard stuff out of Catholicism, or we're going to at least downplay it. You know, so that we can talk in a vague, generalized term, and we're not going to offend nobody. I tried telling this to a person who should know better about um, believing in something and, and sticking to it, dare I say religiously, is not going to win you a popularity contest. And when well I I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to stick to myself To anyone who's bothered to listen to the introduction, I said flat out, and I said it in the introduction of my first podcast flat out, I'm not in it for likes or clicks. This is one of the graces God gave me is to understand, to actually stand up for his truth and his church, his one true church, instituted on earth. I'm not you know, I'm not going to be Mr. Popular. And quite frankly, I don't want to be Mr. Popular. The, the whole concept of being Mr. Popular is alien to me because I've never been Mr. Popular. Even when I was a pagan, I wasn't Mr. Popular. But... You know, this this goes back to that the, the, the idea, the cynical, self-interested idea that your ideas are not worth fighting for, that your ideas aren't worth dying for if necessary. Now... When I say ideas, I'm talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, his blessed mother, and pre-Vatican II Catholicism. Because let's just say they enacted a draft tomorrow in America, and uh, the governmental representatives came to our door, and they said, oh, President Biden has enacted an executive orders um, 
we can grab you up and put you in the U.S. Army. Uh, I would tell them to their face right now, well, you might as well arrest me and throw me in Leavenworth because I'm not doing it. Go ahead, put me in cuffs, throw me in Leavenworth. Um, For those of you who are not aware, Leavenworth is a military prison. I don't know if this is still the case, but when I was in the U.S. Army back in the 80s, People used to talk about Leavenworth like it was literally the seventh level of hell. You did not want to go there if your life depended on it. So, anyhow. But, the, because people, you know, Basically, and once again, I I think it's just cognitive dissonance on the part of a lot of Vatican II sect members, most of them, that um, you have different varieties of Vatican II sect members. You got the the some who think Mr. Bergoglio, well, they all claim to think that Mr. Bergoglio is a legitimate pope, despite, you know, idols in the Vatican. But you'll have varying shades. Like, you'll have one shade that everything's legit, everything's fine, nothing to worry about here. You know, we we need to, you know, we need to... uh, make the church more like the modern world, which by the way, in case you haven't noticed, uh, the Vatican II sect, and because I've been in both, I'm speaking authoritatively on this, the Vatican II sect is no different from any major Protestant denomination or the society and culture at large, depending on which country you're in. You'll have that, and then you'll have the, what I call, neo-traditionalists who like to call themselves recognize and resist. You know, they'll give, they'll give grudging acceptance to Mr. Bergoglio. Yes, he's a legitimate pope. He got elected legitimately. But if he, if 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 he says anything, I'm I'm not doing it because you know reasons. And I've already done you know several episodes on my original podcast about the errors of the Vatican II sect. But at the end of the day, what this all boils down to is an unwillingness to put yourself aside to put yourself aside and submit yourself to God. And I literally mean what I said. I'm I'm speaking authoritatively. Your average Vatican II sec member is for all intents and purposes no different from the Protestants 
and they're, you know, once again, people being people, but a lot of your Vatican II sect members in outlook and acting are no different from their secular neighbors. It's society and culture. One last thing before I wrap up. I bumped into uh, oh yeah, one of the social media sites, my Tumblr site. I generally because of things being what they are, I got to reach people where they're at. And some of the people I'm subscribed to, you know, I'm a minority within a minority. And the way it's the way things are shaking out, I'm afraid I'm going to be a minority within a minority within a minority. But um somebody wrote on on uh their Tumblr blog, they're like, I I like being culturally Catholic. And I ain't going to lie, you know, maybe a month or two previously, I would have been like foaming at the mouth on my podcast talking about this. Um, I know even despite my, my failings, I know that God is helping me in his blessed mother. Because now, I mean, the concept the, the concept itself and the mindset behind it just it just saddens me. It saddens me. Because the, per, the person who wrote that was being unironic. They were literally being unironic. The only religious group in in my almost half a century of living who calls themselves culturally anything are the Jewish people. And I've known some Jewish people in my life. And yes, there, there are some Jewish people who say, well, I'm culturally Jewish, but I'm not really religious. Um, just, I want to make, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. I've, I've kind of, um, touched on this in a previous episode. I'm going to touch lightly here. Whatever comes to this later will come of it. Um, Religious Jewish people, and I'm talking about um, people who are re, uh, of the Jewish religion, they are apostates. They are literal apostates. And how anyone can say with a straight face, well, they're not atheists. They, they, they have a conception of God. 
once again, uh, saddens me if they have that conception because, and by the way, apostate is a, is a Catholic theological term, meaning they deny God incarnate. In other words, in case it had to be said, they're atheists. If you're denying God incarnate, you know, for my secular listeners, for my secular thinkers, you're an atheist. Because, but in in theological terms, Catholic theological terms, the people who practice the Jewish faith, who don't recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah, no said of I'm not going to say your precious little word, Messiahs. I'm talking to regular people. Messiah. So if you don't recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and, you know, uh, we, we consider religious Jews to be apostates as opposed to heretics who do, uh, i.e. Protestants and... Uh, um. Vatican II sect members who do recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but refuse to follow the pre-Vatican II Council teachings, theological teachings and doctrine. Uh, this this has gone a little long. Um, I think I'm going to wrap up this with this closing segment. The basic, it's a basic, hold on a second, real fast. What a lot of people nowadays call modernism is just human frailties and flaws maxed up to ridiculous degrees. But it is one of the flaws of modernism because it has been ramped up to a ridiculous degree that um, man, I shouldn't have done that. is to um, is not to submit themselves to truth. Now this is this is a human frailty that everyone has throughout time. But in present era, in our society and culture, it's been ramped up to a ridiculous degree. Degrees. That nobody... I guess it boils back to what I start... The example I used at the beginning of this episode. Frank Sinatra's My Way. Everybody wants to do it their way. 
You know, nobody wants to put themselves aside and sacrifice what they think is important for the truth. That's as good as it's going to get. And this did run long. But I think on occasions I'm going to have episodes like this. And it's not too long anyway. So if you've gone this long, I really appreciate your time and your patience. I do. Um, I'm praying for everyone. And I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. Um, but before you, before you, uh, can get the graces necessary to get to heaven, you have to recognize the graces. So, thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You people have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today and you will tell of it later.